praise the Lord. I'm so glad we have him to look to tonight. Amen. Let's turn to the book of Revelation, if you would, chapter 20, verse 4. Where would we look if it wasn't for God giving us the right direction? So many people are looking in so many different directions in the age that we live in. Truly, it's the grace of God. You know, as I study the message of the hour, I don't just study the quotes, but I've studied the discernments and the prayers and even the titles of the sermons. And two of the last ones that Brother Brown preached in the last few months of his life was leadership. And whenever you listen to those sermons, there's so much in there because you realize it's what so many people lack in their lives is leadership. What people say they feel led to do and feel led to do this and feel led to do that. And it's, it's heartbreaking in the direction that many people are going to be going into, into the tribulation period, simply because they overrode the leadership of the Spirit of God, which leads us always, always in the direction of the Word. Amen. Amen. Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. <clears throat> and I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. Now I realize people in the age we're living in say, oh, you shouldn't preach against this, and you shouldn't preach against that, and you shouldn't say that's wrong, and that's wrong. You're judging us. Nobody's got a right to judge anybody. <laughs> you just spoke false doctrine. According to the Bible, some folks are going to judge other folks. Right? Yeah, it's a astounding statement that Brother Ben mentions in 1960 in discernment of spirit. I think it was March, something like that, of 1960. And he said, knowing as ministers that one day we will stand and judge the people and their destiny will be determined according to how they received what we preached to them. That's a serious thing. It's a serious thing. And then here John says, judgment was given unto them and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshiped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So it shows us everybody that is saved isn't going to be there in this reign. In verse six, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. Now listen, and they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. I may like to be remembered tonight as we pray. Just hold your request, your need in your heart. Heavenly Father, we have read what we believe to be your infallible word. I find it so amazing how many theologians, doctors of the law, doctors of divinity, 
people that have given their life, really, of studying the Bible, and yet they do not believe in a millennium. We're so grateful tonight that we do. For we know it is the time of the Sabbath of God that will be lived out. And Father, we believe all of those who have entered into rest now will enter into that rest then. Those who have missed the rest of God, the Holy Spirit's seal, will not live until the thousand years are finished. So we know the Holy Ghost not only gives us a rite of passage into the rapture, but the Holy Ghost gives us a rite of passage into the millennium, and we will rule with you for a thousand years. So we're praying tonight if there's anything in our lives that is lacking, Lord, I ask that you would speak to us and may we be drawn close to you. Help us, Lord, that we could lay aside anything that would hinder us, Lord Jesus. We desire to be partakers of that great kingdom of the Son of David. Grant it tonight, Father, in Jesus' name. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm sure most of you tonight, you come to church with things on your mind. Probably not very far from your mind is troubles and someone that you have on your heart, maybe several people that are sick and suffering and people that are afflicted and people going through various things in their life, maybe you yourself outside of family members and you've got bills maybe that you're concerned about how they're gonna be paid and you've got situations in your home that you're not certain how it's going to be met. But if we could for just a little while tonight, I'd like for us to be able to move beyond the spirit of this world, the world that we see that is so troubled and broken hearts is a predominant thing in the age that we live, broken families, broken lives. But yet, I think that if we can move beyond this. Now, myself, I desire, since I came to the message so many years ago, I thought I was a full gospel preacher when I was in Pentecost. And it really took a brighter light than what I was in to help me to see that there was more to the Lord than just healing and miracles and shouting and prophesying and running and I still believe in all of that. But I realized that there was more to the full gospel than just praying for the body. Now I did, I did that and I prayed for the Lord and I saw all kinds of miracles and all, all kinds of supernatural things that God did. But somehow I was still hungering down inside my soul for something more. And I would like to say, as much as we believe in healing and miracles and all of that, that if healing and miracles alone will produce rapturing faith, my question is, why wasn't the church raptured in the days of Jack Cole, A.A. Allen, Robert Schuller, many of those men, when miracles by the thousands were happening around the world? Now, we've seen miracles in the message, and they've been great, profound miracles, but we have yet to see the number of miracles in this message that was happening decades ago because it was thousands times thousands of them. And it wasn't just in Brother Random's ministry either. A.A. Allen, which was a Trinitarian Assembly of God preacher, and yet the lame would walk, the blind would see, the cripple would be able to jump up, the blinded would receive their sight, all kinds of great things would happen. 
And if healing alone will be able to bring rapturing faith, then why were they not raptured? Because you see, healing alone will not do it. And neither will mysteries alone, or neither will just, well, we preach the gospel. And what does that mean exactly? The gospel is the good news. So it's more than just being saved. It's being sanctified, being filled with the Holy Ghost. The good news is also there's a millennium coming and there's a rapture coming. So what I desire to preach and I hope that you desire to be is a full gospel people. Now, there was a move that started, of course, in the days of Brother Random when he was here, and it was called the Full Gospel Businessmen's Association. Brother Random actually held a card with him, and it was the only group that he belonged to. But yet, many of those men who said they believed the full gospel did not believe the full gospel. But I I honestly believe from the scripture and from the message of the hour that there will be a people that will believe God's full word. And they want healing for their soul, healing for their spirit, healing for their body, healing for their mind. They desire to be totally changed and transformed by the power of God. So, you know, the, the spirit of God can lead his men in so many different directions. And it might come that it'll, it'll anoint them to preach, to raise faith to a level where people can receive the natural healing in their body and some be able to receive a miracle. Others, their spirit will be healed. They'll be able to be uh, delivered of something they've carried for years and years, like what happened right here on Sunday. There was one after another after another before I ever got home. I started hearing of different ones that was healed for things that they had carried for years and years and years. Now, it was not a natural healing in their flesh, but I guarantee if I'd give you their name and you'd go ask them, they were just as happy as any person that ever had a crippled hand straightened out because it was something that they had carried in their spirit. That's the kind of preacher that I desire to be. I don't want to just be a preacher that specializes in the body alone. Albeit, we have many men who that that is their specialty. But I also want to be one that can reach the spirit, reach the soul, reach the mind, be able to take the full gospel and be able to reach the full man. And whenever I look at the full gospel, I believe that there's also part of that gospel that gives us a great hope and being able to set forth what lays in our future. Much of what Brother Branham preached was about the future. Much about what the prophets of the Old Testament prophesied was not just about the now, but it was about the future. Much of Isaiah's content wasn't even for the people of that day. The little book of Habakkuk was much about the future. The little book of Micah, about the future. The book of Hosea, much about the future. Now I'll tell you, a lot of folks that had a hard time living, listening to those prophets in that day because much of what they had to say was about the future. Much of the book of Zechariah, Zephaniah, much of Jeremiah, much of Lamentations, much of the Old Testament was forecasting and prophesying of a future day. They did not live to see it. Most of them never even lived to understand it. So prophecy must have been an important thing to God. And the church said, so if it's important to God and I'm his child, then I believe it ought to be important to me. 
Now, I realize that some people, all they want to hear is about salvation. Well, let me just tell you, I've been saved now since I was a 12-year-old boy, and I'm 66. That's quite a long time. Some of you have been saved longer than that. Now, it does me good to hear about salvation, but I honestly don't need to be saved again. I've had the Holy Ghost for years. I don't need it again. Now, I do need refillings from time to time, and I've been sanctified, never did drink, never did smoke, never did do any of those things. So when preachers preach on drinking, I can say amen to that, but I honestly don't need to hear that myself. Praise the Lord. I don't need to hear about smoking cigarettes or smoking dope or doing things like that because I never have done it and I have no plans on starting now. I'm a little bit old to start smoking marijuana. I'm a little bit old to start chewing tobacco. I'm a little bit old to start doing all that stuff, but there are things that I need to hear. I need to hear about the present. I need to hear about my future. I need to hear about the kingdom of God that I am already a partaker of. And I don't mind telling you, it makes me rejoice when I hear and see what lays before me as a child of God. Now, most of us don't have a whole lot to be proud of in our past. And many of us may be struggling in our present. But there's got to be a ray of hope somewhere that will offer us something that our past cannot and sometimes even beyond what our present can assure us. So just let me lay it to you like this. Your present is not gonna promise you perfect circumstance. Your present is not gonna promise you that every day will be free of trouble. It's just not gonna do it. Your present is not gonna promise you that you'll never be sick again, never have trials again, never have have tests again, so both my past and my present sometimes don't look too promising. So sometimes I need to look into my future to see where the real promise of God for my life really lays. You understand what I'm saying? Now in that, that's where God lays so much for the life of the believer. And to me, it's no marvel then that Satan would try down through the ages to confuse the people on what the promise of their future is. So the millennium is one of those subjects that has been a matter of debate for many, many thousands of years. The word millennium comes from two words, two Latin words, and it means a combination of, of a thousand and of an age. So it was an age which was determined to be a thousand years. And yet there have been many, many preachers doctors of theology, priests, and all types of religious men that say that the millennium is only a spiritual domain and it is only a spiritual kingdom that the church has endured all this time of the gospel. And I'm here to tell you, if the millennium has already happened, I am one unhappy camper because if this is all it was, I am greatly disappointed then I'm afraid if this is no more than the millennium offers, who knows what heaven's gonna be. It may wind up being like the south side of Chicago. If it is, don't even let me go. But I believe as one believer, and I believe there's hundreds or more here with me tonight, that believe that the millennium is an actual reign on the earth with the Lord Jesus for a thousand years. How many believes that tonight as a Bible reader? Now, I know it's hard for us in our mind. My man has never known 
what it would be like to live in a world that is free from satanic influence. It's hard for our minds to conceive that we will never need a bed in the millennium, that we will never need a nap in the evening, that we will never need a doctor, we will never need a pharmacy. Actually, the leaves on the trees will suffice for medication for those who are not living in glorified bodies. So they will constantly renew their use and they will live in this state of health as long as they eat the leaves of the trees. And it's hard for our minds to comprehend a world when no one ever has an argument with another. Praise God, won't that be something? But it's because we've been so exposed to so much trouble and so much satanic influence, it's almost like a dream of something that somebody would make up that surely cannot be real. And yet there will be no one there, not one person that will be able to stir up hate or have a political agenda. There will be no one there that will ever be able to go amongst a group of people and ever cause any type of division. Now, if you've got a very big family, I mean more than you, more than likely you've had problems in your family. Maybe some of you's got problems here tonight in your family. Uh, either among your siblings or from mother and father, aunts, uncles and so on because there's just something about families that it seems like Satan loves to get among families and cause trouble. And it doesn't take every member of the family to be a troublemaker. All it takes is one member in that family. They can turn that entire family upside down and have the whole family at one another's throats. Now here you all are looking at me tonight like you don't even have a clue what I'm talking about. Lay off them little angelic wings, little children now tonight. I've counseled too many of you all to know that. Oh, you're, you're, you're sending that look to the wrong guy. So come right down where all the rest of us live and realize that even when you're born into a family, just because you've got brothers and sisters or aunts or uncles or cousins or whatever more, it don't mean they like you. It don't mean you like them. Just because your family don't mean you're compatible. You may have the same DNA. You may have the same crooked nose everybody else in your family has got. It don't mean that you can get along. It don't mean that at all. But can you imagine there is coming a kingdom on the earth when no one will ever raise their voice no one will ever cause dissension or division in the family of God. And yet, there will be people on the earth by the millions that will be unconverted. There will be, no doubt, saints of God, millions of here of them here in glorified bodies. Well, you say, how in the world is that going to be? Well, let me explain it to you like this. It's like you've got a whole magazine of gunpowder. Okay, a whole magazine of this highly explosive gunpowder, but nobody has a match. It's absolutely under divine control and there's no one there that Satan can move on because he's bound with the chain of circumstance so when Satan is loose, all the gunpowder will go off in these people's lives. Where was it? It was there the whole time. 
But Jesus kept it suppressed by his Davidic reign on the earth for a thousand years. Praise the Lord. There won't be one person that'll ever lose their temper. Boy, that sounds like heaven to me. And that's not even the eighth day. There will not be one person that will ever get upset. Nobody will ever get angry. Nobody will ever get their feelings hurt. Oh, Jesus, bring it on today. My goodness, nobody will ever pout. Nobody will ever roll that bottom lip down. Oh, we ain't coming back no more. They done this. Nobody will ever do that at all. Oh, don't you want to go? Don't you want to go? And it will all be under the suppression of the reign of our great ruler. And the great thing about it is, friends, that same Lord Jesus that we're preaching about here tonight, he is already ruling and reigning in the hearts of those of you who have the Holy Ghost. You see, we are under the dominion or the reign of the Son of God right now through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So we simply move from here to the rapture, the change of the body. We come back after the marriage supper and we reign with him under this new domain of the Son of David. But he's already reigning right now here tonight. You say, where, Brother Donnie? In our hearts. Well, how does he reign? He's reigning over smoking. He's reigning over adultery. He's reigning over all these things out here in the world that the world is so engulfed in. Isn't that right? They're so engrossed in the sins of the world. Why don't you do it? Those of you that are born again, because the king is already reigning inside of your heart tonight. He has dominion over your passions, over your desires. Are you human? Do you make mistakes? Absolutely you do. But whenever you make them, you follow God's prescription, you repent and make it right before God and he takes that thing and casts it into the sea of his forgiveness as if though you never done it in the first place. Is that right? But yet there will be those on the earth that will not love him the way you do. They will not have that desire to serve him the way you do, and they will have to be taught how to worship. They will have to be taught the frailty of war. They will have to be taught the error of war. They will have to be taught how to worship. I'll tell you, I don't see how there'd be one member of the bride that would ever wind up in the millennium and sitting around and say, I don't know how to praise God. I don't know how to worship God. You're getting your lessons right now if you'll listen. You're getting your lessons right now to hold out of worship. Now look, that don't mean all of us is gonna praise the Lord the same way. God don't want all of y'all to act like Donnie Reagan. You say, whoo, thank God for that. God don't want a bunch of Donnie Reaganites. He don't want a bunch of Tim Pruittites or Ron Spencerites. What God wants is each one of us so in love with him and we worship him with all of our hearts. Some of you, let me just go ahead and tell you, some of you will never run. Some of you will probably never shout your shoe heels off. Some of you sisters will probably never get up and run around the building and scream and holler to the top of your voice. And some of you brothers probably won't either because we don't want one another's spirit. What we want is the spirit of God. Some of you cry and you're worshiping God just as much as those that are so vocal and so loud. But you know what it is? Satan wants us to get one another's spirit so we act like each other. I don't wanna act like you and I don't want you to act like me. I want you to be what God wants you to be. Is that what you want me to be? What God wants me to be. Now let's take 
a little a little journey here tonight, can we? In Psalms 22, now I'm gonna go through a bunch of scriptures and I'll try not to go too fast to lose you, but if you do, we'll have them on the website so you can go back and reference them. Psalms 22, 27. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord. All the ends of the world. Now this will never be in the gospel dispensation. This never began on the day of Pentecost and the Laodicean age. It will never, never, no, no age, no age will ever be able to fulfill this messianic song. Now remember, David was one of the prophets of the Old Testament that said so many things about the coming of the Messiah. Now listen to what he said. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord and all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. Now everybody in the millennium will not be Jews. Everybody in the millennium will not be white. Everybody in the millennium will not be black. They will not be red. They will not be yellow. But the nationalities of people will still exist in the millennium. God made man that way. It's only the devil that tries to set racial tensions against us and say, well, the white man's dominant. The white man is not dominant. Well, the black man is dominant. No, neither one of them are dominant. Almighty God is dominant. And God made the nations and he made them out of one blood. And when we get to that new land, you'll look around and there'll be black and white and brown and yellow and all the different nationalities. And thank God there won't be no black lives matter and blue lives matter and pink lives matter. All lives matter to almighty God. And there won't be no racial going around. Well, I can't live over there. There's a black man lives over there. You need the Holy Ghost. Well, I can't live over there. There's an Asian man lives over there. You need the Holy Ghost. There will be Asians in the millennium. There will be blacks in the millennium. There will be whites in the millennium. There will be Native Americans in the millennium. Geronimo, and he'll become many of those men that'll stand right up there in the millennium and they will love God and worship God and praise God. Well, praise the Lord for that. Now notice all the kindreds of the nations, plural, shall worship before thee. Psalm 72, seven. In his days shall the righteous flourish and abundance of peace. Oh, listen to this. Abundance of peace so long as the moon endureth. Wow. Do you realize that our American democracy so lied and robbed and deceived the Native Americans that many of the treaties before they were ever signed by many of those chiefs, the chiefs in the White House already had determined they'd never keep them. That's why they come with the saying, the, saying, the, the natives White men speak with forked tongue. Well, not only do white men speak that way, but a lot of other men speak with forked tongue. A lot of preachers speak with forked tongue. A lot of Christians speak with forked tongue. Well, you need to get that serpent tongue out of your mouth and get your tongue anointed by the Holy Ghost. <laughs> That's right. But yet here he says that in this reign and in this dominion of this great king, which could never be said about anyone else other than the Lord Jesus, David did not have peace until there was no more moon. 
Solomon, even though his name meant peace, he never had peace in his kingdom until there was no more moon, but the Lord Jesus will. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river, which is the great river Euphrates, from the river unto the ends of the earth. There will not be one square foot on the earth that will not have peace. I don't care where you go. I'm not sure there'll be a North Pole left and a South Pole left and an Antarctica and all that because there will be a topography change on the earth. We know that by the scripture. I'm not sure exactly how the layout of it will be, but the atomic fire will change it. I do know that. And there will be a pulsation out of the bowels of the earth and it will change part of the plains country into a great mountain as it were the frame of a great city. And it will change, of course, even to the Mediterranean. There's no way that it could be able to sit itself, could even sit down over there because of the Mediterranean. You come when you're flying in into the land of Israel, those of you that have flown in it, you know. You come right over the sea, right over the sea, and you're starting to come down, come down 20,000, 15,000, 10,000, and you're just right over the city before you're landing right into the airport because it lays right next to the sea. The sea, John said, I saw no more sea. Naturally, it would have to be gone because a city 1,500 miles long in the eighth day would never be able to sit down there. Remember Ezekiel 40 through 48 gives us the prophecy of the tabernacle where people will come to worship. So the Lord God will reign upon the earth in the form of his human temple. Notice this in verse nine. They that dwell in the wilderness shall bow before him and his enemies shall lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and of the isles shall bring presents unto the king. The kings of Sheba and Seba shall offer gifts. You mean there'll be kings out in here? Yes, the millennium is a foreshadow of the eighth day. So there will be kings, there will be nations, there will be magistrates, sons of God. And these kings will get the word from the delegation of the sons of God and they will begin to usher this in under their domain. So the king of Sheba and the king of Seba and the kings of Tarshish and these other kings, they will get direction from where? The Torah, the law, will come from Jerusalem and the sons of God will be the dispensers of the truth and they will send messages to these kings and these kings will send out an edict in the kingdom of Tarshish and the kingdom of Seba and the kingdom of Sheba and the kingdom of Tubal and the kingdom of Meshach and all over the earth these nations will start getting the word straight from Jerusalem, straight from Jerusalem and here will come the Torah which is the law and it will give them the institution there will be no guns There will be no bows and arrows. There will be no smart weapons. There will be no bombs. There will be no air force. Oh, hallelujah. There will be no navy. There will be no marines. There will be peace, peace, peace. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Notice in Psalm 72, 11. Yea, all kings, all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. 
But I want you to notice that David does not say all nations shall love him. They will serve him. Part of these nations right here will rise up in that little season when Satan has the span of time. But all nations will serve him. Here's all this gunpowder, but there ain't no matches. Here's all this gunpowder, here's all this potential for an uprising, but there's no upriser. There's no troublemaker. Well, glory. Amen. All nations shall serve him. Now, this has never been done. You agree? All nations have never served him, but they will. Oh, glory. But aren't you glad you're not just serving him, you love him. Amen. I don't pray. I don't read my Bible. I don't go to church. I don't preach. I don't do these things that I do. And many of you feel exactly the same way. Because I'm scared, I'll go to hell. Or I'm doing it because of servitude. I did years ago. Yes, I did. And I know what it's like to serve God and missing that love for servitude. I don't do it today because I serve him. I do it because I love him. And I want to please him. Heaven knows what I'm talking about. You just love him so much. He's your desire. He's your motive. He's your objective. He's everything of your life. And if he wants you to do something, you just say, well, Lord, if you want it, I don't understand, but I'll give it to you anyhow because I love you. But many of these people will serve him. They'll go to church. You gonna get in? Maybe. Does everybody praise the Lord? You love him with all your heart? We're not voting for anybody. I mean, we're talking about do you love the Lord? This is not an auction. And what will they do? They will serve him. No question. No question. No one will even raise up and say, I don't want to serve you. The Bible prophesies they will. And there ain't nobody to stop them because the stopper has been stopped. Now what's Isaiah 2, 2? And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house, the mountain of the Lord's house. Isn't it strange the way that Isaiah says that? Not the mountain of the house of the Lord, but the mountain of the Lord's house. The mountain of the Lord's house. Don't you understand what the church ages is? It's the mountain of the Lord's house. Faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness. What is that? What is that? That is the mountain of the Lord's house of the Gentiles. Now when we come to the millennium, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established, listen how peculiar, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains. The mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains. The mountain of the Lord's house will be established or set or rest upon the mountain, the tops of the mountains. 
Now watch, you make up the house of God now. You will sit there with him in his domain in a literal mountain. Oh, you may think you're a person of the valleys, but believe me, your destiny is more than valleys. Your destiny is a mountaintop, people. Praise be to God. The mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains. Now what's amazing, for those of you that have ever, ever studied the topography of Israel, and you look around and you know that here is Mount, the Mount where the temple is, and here's the Mount of Olives, and five or six more, I think there's a total of seven around there, and they're little small things. My goodness, Rome, Mount Medorf, every one of them. I mean, Rome Mountain, over 5,000 feet, something like that, and there ain't a place there in and around Jerusalem that's anywhere near that tall. And yet you got one little spot over here and another little spot there. You got the Valley of Kidron right here and you've got the tomb of Absalom down the very bottom. You got the Garden of Gethsemane down here on the right and then you come up on the other side of the Eastern Gate and it's just another little hill. It'd be like you walking, you know, out of your backyard and going up on the hill to go hunting. It is not really what you would classify as a mountain. But the topography of the land of Israel will be changed. Israel will get a body change before we come back to live on it. Don't you understand the whole mystery of the new birth is written right in the entire kingdom of God. You understand why the animals are gonna be changed? You understand every one of you that get the Holy Ghost and you really become born again that you are a foreshadow of the lion laying down by the lamb? because you have had a nature change within you and you were born lost and you were born unregenerate like the lion is born as a little tiny cub but you let him grow up and what will he do? He'll become mean, he'll become carnivorous, there's something in him and every time God gives somebody a new birth and they are truly with a nature change, they are prophesying of the lion shall lay down by the lamb and the ox and the bullock and the wolf shall eat straw together. What is it, the testimony of a new birth? The animals are gonna be born again too. Now watch, all nations, he said it shall be established in the top of the mountains, plural, but notice how he says it shall come to pass in the last days, that the mountain singular of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains. So here's a mountain, going to be on top of the mountains. Praise God. And shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow into it. Now a mountain in scriptural symbolism is defined a kingdom. Now watch this. Moses speaking in Exodus 15, 17. Thou shalt bring them in, speaking about the children of Israel, and plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance. Wow. Thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance in the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in in the sanctuary. And yet the children of Israel, this generation or the next generation or even the next generation or even the next generation never even got to inherit Jerusalem. It was the city of the Jebusites, the city of Jebus. So they never got to inherit that. This must be a prophecy of a people that are gonna come in and they're gonna live where? In the house of God with God. So God had a certain place set aside as his sanctuary. Amen. 
Oh Lord, which thy hands have established. So then watch the mountain represents a kingdom. Daniel chapter two, verse 35. Another prophetic book. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, the gold, all of these, of course, metallurgical symbols of a kingdom or a power, broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floor. And the wind carried them away. And the stone, now here Daniel saw the image. Remember the image that Daniel saw in the vision? Of course, it was Nebuchadnezzar on the top, come on down to the Medo-Persians, on down to Rome at the bottom. And whenever this stone that he saw hewed out of this mountain and it come rolling right down out of heaven and the stone hid it in the feet, which is the Roman kingdom in the last days that will be annihilated. So the toes, it was all the, the clay and the iron mixed together and it hit it right in the feet and will destroy it. Then Daniel saw this little stone. What a peculiar thing these visions must have been. And Daniel saw this little stone as this stone started growing and growing and growing and growing. And this stone grew from a little bitty pebble-sized thing until it become a great mountain. And it was a kingdom. Now watch what he says that no place was found for them and the stone that smote the image became, became, it was not a great mountain, but it became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. So this stone represented the Davidic kingdom of our Lord Jesus as Messiah. So the stone covered the entire earth and it wasn't one big rock. It was a symbol of a power, a kingdom, the messianic kingdom on the earth. Now watch with me in Ezekiel chapter 40, verse two. I find this one is so peculiar. In the visions of God brought he me into the land of Israel and set me upon a very high mountain by which was as the frame of a city on the south. You know, these prophets were gifted of God to where the, the fourth dimension, they could stand right now like I would be with your eyes wide open and God would carry them into another dimension and they would be able to see things in the future, see things in the past and they would go from their senses and yet they're wide open and when they would come to, they would still remember what they saw. Like you have a dream and you'll be able to remember parts about it. So Ezekiel was carried up into this fourth dimension and he saw this vision and he said that God set him in the land of Israel. And he set me upon a very high mountain by which was as the frame of a city. So he set up on the top of a mountain, but then the mountain, when he gets up there, he's looking down and it's as if though it was the frame of a city that was set upon the mountain. Notice Zechariah chapter 14, verse nine. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. I used to love it when Jehovah Witness people knocked on my door. They visited me several times. I lived over there in Chelsea Lane, <clears throat> near where Brother Phil and Sister Cheryl is at now. And they, apparently the word hadn't got around what I did. <clears throat> so they would come and knock on the door. How are you? I said, Fine, how are you all? Good. You read the Bible? I said, I do a little bit, yeah. I read the Bible a little bit. Oh, what, what, where do you sing? So you're a Christian. Yes, I'm a Christian. So where do you sing you will inherit the kingdom of God? I said, well, let me 
answer your question with a question. Where do you think we'll inherit it? I want them to lay out their ammo first so I can take my (laughs) hypersonic weapons and blow it out of the water. Well, we believe that Jesus said the meek shall inherit the earth. And I said, I'm with you on that. Yes, sir, the meek shall inherit. Can we come in? Certainly come on in. (laughs) Bless their hearts. (laughs) I kept a tape geared up for them and for the Seventh-day Adventists. It says the church's not too far from where we were there. And I have the Book of Mormon. So I'd read the Book of Mormon, studied the Book of Mormon, knew what the LDS believed, some of them. So they come knocking on my door too. And I kept this tape geared up for them. And I say, now I understand that y'all believe in a prophet. Oh yes, yes, we believe in a prophet. And I said, I do too. Well, what's his name? I said, well, his name is William Marion Branham. You ever heard of him? I said, no, no, no. I said, do you know in the Book of Mormon it was prophesied about him coming? And they said, really? I said, y'all got it right here. Look at that right there. Wow, wow. Did you know that? No, they always travel too, but too, you know. So I didn't know that. I said, y'all got time. Uh, You want to share a little bit? Yeah, can we give you a book? I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll take one of yours if you'll take one of mine. (laughs) Well, praise the Lord. The longer it went, the funner it got. And then they brought their bishop back. And then after the bishop come, I never seen him no more. Shoot, right when I started having fun. But you realize we are not a bunch of ignoramuses. We know where we stand in God's word. And if we don't, shame on us. God does not want us to be a bunch of people that don't know where we come from, where we are, and where we are going. Is that right? Now watch, Zechariah says, the Lord shall be king over all the earth, and in that day there shall be one Lord and his name won. Now, Zechariah was a oneness preacher. You say, how do you know that? Because he didn't say their names, and he didn't say they, but he's saying him. I mean, I didn't graduate from high school, but I do know that is in the singular stage, you know, so. Notice, now, once as Zechariah picks up the change of the topography of part of the land of Israel, and the land shall be turned as a plain, from Geba to Ramon, south of Jerusalem. So the land, now whenever you leave, Bethpage is about five miles. It's where Jesus did one of his miracles. So Bethpage about five miles south of Jerusalem. So when you go out of Jerusalem and you wind down, because it's real windy country and there's little hills and this and that. But Isaiah saw it. Now he was familiar with this land. Zachariah was familiar with it. And as he looked out in that dimension, he said, my Lord, what in the world? Happened to Beth Peggy. What happened to, to these other places? Why, it's as flat as a pancake. Look at it. And look over there. My goodness, what in the world happened to Jerusalem? Jerusalem is an outstanding mountain, and the rest of this is a plain all around it everywhere, on down through the valley of Esdralon. And here he stands and he watches the topography of the ground change. Oh, glory. I love to watch it when the topography of our dirt changes too. Little by little, yeah, y'all used to carry that little stick between your fingers there, you know, 
and you used to carry a bottle of this and you hand a bottle of that and you hand it a shot and you stick in the topography and what did God do? God started changing you from the soul and we believe in a religion that not only changes your soul and remains invisible but we believe it works its way out to the outside. We believe it works its way out to your lips and out to your hair. Well, praise the Lord and before you know it you come to church and your hair wasn't that long and before you know it the topography has changed and it's grown real long again. Praise be to God. You men used to wear short breeches around your gorilla looking legs and what happened to you? The Holy Ghost got a hold of you and he changed the topography and you said, put some of them breeches on, boy. Put some of them breeches on. Why, girls, hide that part of your body. Hide that topography. What is the millennium? It's a furtherance of the kingdom of God that has been working in the church ages. And the land shall be turned as a plain from Geba to Rimon south of Jerusalem. And it, it, Jerusalem, shall be lifted up. So God can put down who he wants. He can lift up who he wants. He can do what he wants because he's God. And it shall be lifted up and inhabited in her place from Benjamin's gate unto the place of the first gate unto the corner gate and from the tower of Hananiel unto the king's wine presses. Now what he's doing, he's going on the outward perimeter of where this millennium city is gonna be. And everybody will go up to the house of God. Amen. You don't go down to the house of God, but you go up. And remember, anytime you feel led of the Lord to do this or that or the other, or you know, whatever it is you're feeling to do, check your direction by which your leading is directing you because God will never lead you backwards. God will never lead you away from more light to less light. The devil is lying to you. If you think God is leading you away from more light to less light, if you think God is leading you backwards or downward, well, I wish somebody would preach with me tonight, because God keeps lifting higher and higher and higher, not less and less, but more and more. We need more grace. We need more revelation. We need more of the grace of God in our life, not less, not less power, not less of the Spirit of God, more, 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 not less. And listen to this. And men shall dwell in it. And there shall be no more utter destruction. But Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. Do you realize this little piece of real estate has been fought over more than any other portion on the face of the earth. Why? 
because this is God's house in the future. God chose it. And Satan hates anything God chooses. And some of you Christians want to know why you fight hell. You say, I fought the devil more since I got saved. You ought to be shouting. You ought to be praising God. That's a good sign you're a Jerusalem. Amen. That's a good sign that you are not a Moabite. That's a good sign that you're not a wash pot to God. That's a good sign that you are a site of the tabernacle of the Lord and the Lord must have smiled on you and the Lord must have given you divine favor and Satan caught God's eye as God winked at you. And when God winked at you, his special love and devotion, the devil saw it and said, oh boy, I'm gonna get him now. I'm gonna get her now. No, let us correct your talking devil. You may try to get us. You may try to slow us down, but you ain't gonna get us because he's done smiled on us. We have found favor in his sight. Watch Isaiah 2, 3. Isn't this wonderful? Don't you love a journey in the scriptures of the word of God? Isaiah 2, 3. And many people shall go and say, come ye, let us go. Those of you that are reading with me, you see it there, what does it say? Up. Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. To the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways. Now this can't be the bride. The bride's being taught now. But you see, many of these are heathens. They went down in darkness, Brother Jim, and they didn't know really that much about Jehovah. They didn't know that much about his word or his way. And when they are raised in the resurrection, they will come back out with this very primitive understanding about God. They really don't know. They were shunned to. They were Maoism. They was all different kinds of things around the world. Maybe they were Buddhists or whatever more. And God never let them hear the gospel. Because if they've ever heard it once and turned it down, they'll never get a second chance. But these are people that was never exposed to light. And they will raise in the resurrection, not in a glorified body. So here they're on the earth and said, what are, what are we supposed to do? What are we here for? Well, somebody told me we're supposed to serve God. Well, how do we do that? I don't even know how to serve God. I, well, what does God want? See how blessed you are? You see, if you go by the way of the grave, can you imagine all of our saints that have done gone on and when the trumpet sounds that resurrection morning, Brother Jim went after raise I'm saying, hey, wait a minute, let me see, let me see here. Oh, what do I have to do? What's Brother Donnie been preaching while I've been gone? What do I need to, get, need to do to get ready? He's already moved into that word body. His word body will hold glory to God. His word body will call the dust body from the ground and he will step right. He will know exactly what to do. Why? We are being taught by the Lord right now. How's that so? Because the attribute of God, the attribute of God lives in your soul and it enlightens you. You have that thirst, that hunger, that desire to know more about him. Don't just tell me he died for me. Don't just tell me that he raised from the dead, but tell me I raised from the dead too. Tell me what he wants. Tell me how to live. Tell me how to serve him. Tell me how to be what he wants me to be. Teach me. Teach me. 
my goodness, these poor people. And this is what they'll say to one another, said, let's go up to Jerusalem. I said, okay, what are we going up for? What are we going up to worship? Well, all I ever worshiped was, I was Shinto. I was Taoism. I, I worshiped Buddha. I, I, I don't know how to worship. Oh, don't worry. He's got teaching going on. He'll teach us. Well, praise the Lord. Well, children, there shouldn't be none of us sitting in them classes. If I look out there and see some of you all sitting there, I'm really gonna be disappointed. We are bearers of his life and his light, Brother Melvin, and his truth. Notice what they say. Let us go to the house of the God of Jacob. And if you don't know it already, I'll go and tell you. Israel as a nation will have a special place in the millennium, but they will not be bride. No, they were divorced from the changing of the dispensation from the Old Testament to the New. Israel, Jews can be saved, but as individuals, not a nation. The 144,000 are attendants to the bride. Well, I'll tell you one thing. If we got 144,000 attendants, that bride number must be pretty big. I know some folks have got the idea there's only gonna be about 40 or 50. You know, because their little idea of it's, it's little. Everything is just, just so little. It's just so tiny, tiny. I mean, God is a poor little feller. Bless his heart. God is so, just so, he's so impotent and everything. God may wind up at four or five. He, why, there probably ain't one in Johnson City that'll ever be saved. Of course, you know, they believe that one is them, of course. And then there's only one in the whole state of Louisiana. And then there's one in Kentucky. And whenever they get it all done, wind up being about 12 or 13. And then all them 144,000 sitting around 12 people. Yep, you're going to be one of them heathen shores of the world. <laughs> what? Friends, there ain't no telling how many's going to be in this bride. Why, Brother Donnie, my goodness, I've always been taught it's little, 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 little. Let me tell you something. You are fixing to be part of the biggest thing that's ever been. You're going to the biggest city that was ever made. You're going to the biggest kingdom that was ever on the earth. You're going, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I get so sick and tired of the little old puny thinking of a lot of the people around the message. Me and my four and no more. Oh, you're four and no more, nothing. There will be thousands times thousands that'll walk down the streets of gold and they will worship God and they will be sealed by the Holy Ghost. Brother Donnie, it's gonna be so small, all right? So if the rapture was to take place in the morning, if there was a million that went, compare that million to eight billion that live on the earth. That is small. But we get termite-minded. We get smaller and smaller. Or if you got a church over 60, you're a serpent seed. You're not preaching the truth. And what quote did you find that in? Well, glory to God anyhow. Oh, listen to this. He will teach us 
of his ways. And we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth. Now this Hebrew word here is the word that the Jews have used for all these thousands of years for the Ten Commandments and what God gave Moses. The Torah. The Torah. Out of Zion. Zion will be the headquarters. (laughs) So out of Zion will go the Torah of God. What do you mean, Brother Donnie? He'll be telling people when to come to church. He'll be telling them, if you stay home and think you can stream and make it, you're a a bad fool. (laughs) I hope some of you streamers that have an opportunity to go to the house of God don't wind up getting a streaming ticket for the millennium. (laughs) I'll tell you one thing, they ain't got no servers there that's gonna stream no millennium supper. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God for streaming for those who can't go to church. But for some of you sorry outfits to stay at home because you've got a little headache, I'll tell you, Brother Eugene Kennedy will condemn you on that day. Some of you that come to the house of God when you don't feel like coming and you come and worship God anyhow. Come on, children. Oh, my, you don't let a headache keep you from Walmart. You don't let a headache keep you from Dollywood. Then we shouldn't let a headache keep us from the house of God. So out of Zion shall go forth the Torah and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations. Notice, not the bride. The nations. And he shall rebuke many people. You see, we've already gotten our rebuke now. You're getting it now? So you don't have to get it later. Thank God. Let me take my nail, Lord. Oh, glory. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. And nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Now, what's amazing is this is in the foundation of one of our great magnificent buildings in New York City, the United Nations. In 1959, the USSR sent to America in the time of the Cold War this massive statue of this masculine man with muscles all over his arms and all that and he's standing there with a hammer and he's got a sword and he's beating that sword. You imagine USSR send that to America? And this is written in the foundation of the United Nations building. Did they believe it? No. For right there is where they decide to make war. This will never be fulfilled until Jesus comes back. Eisenhower might have had good intentions. Kennedy might have had good intentions. But this is reserved for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's the only one that will be able to bring the entire earth, the entire earth to a spot that men will pick up their swords and look at them and think, 
that would make a good plow. So what did they do in World War I and World War II whenever there was a shortage for iron, when there was a shortage for metals? They went through the countries of England, of Belgium, of Scotland, of Ireland. They went even through part of our own country and they would have trucks and they'd come through the neighborhood and they would pick up plows and metals and this and that to send them to the melting pot to make weapons to kill. But God said, I will reverse what Satan has done. Don't you understand the same thing is written in you? One day God will reverse what old age has done. I read just the other day where some Israeli scientists have been able to reverse aging in mice. And I thought about the time they get it figured out for a man, I'll be dead on a hammer. <laughs> but I'm so glad my God has done figured out how. Oh, hallelujah. I don't have to wait for some scientist to stand up and say, all right, Donnie, here we go. We're gonna turn you back for a 75-year-old man and I'll come up with Alzheimer's and shaking and trembling around and wouldn't you know it about the time it's time for my shop. They say, oops, we run out of serum. But I'm so glad the Lord Jesus said, come on, son, let me give you a good dose. What is it, Brother Donnie? It's a dose of eternal life. It's a dose of the Lord Jesus himself. It is good for what bothers you. It's good for what troubles you. It's good for getting old. Hallelujah. Listen to this one, cause They shall beat. Who will this be? No doubt some of the people in these nations will go around apparently on the earth and the atomic bomb did not annihilate all the swords. So they go around and they say, I'm gonna save this. So like you did your cigarettes and you first got saved. I'm gonna try Jesus out and I'm gonna keep my pale mouth. Man, them things too high to throw away right now. What if I don't, I don't, I don't wanna do this about Jesus? I'm gonna put my country music back over in the closet. I'm gonna put my short dresses. I'm gonna save this and that and the other. And how far did you get with that plan? Oh, but you gotta burn every bridge. But you imagine they'll be walking out there and say, look at that, there's a sword, there's a sword. But there'll be nothing in them and say, I believe I'll put it up in the closet because the devil's coming back. But all of a sudden, Sister and Jen, they look and say, oh, praise God. I'd make a real pruning hook. Wow. Wouldn't that make a plow and a half? I, I tell you, it'd take a lot of faith to me to take a sword about that wide and to turn it into a plowshare about that wide. <laughs> but there'll be something in them. Nobody will ever look at anybody else and say, Can you imagine there'll never be a rumor? Oh, Lord, I'm gonna have to sit down on this. <laughs> nobody will ever pack a tail. Nobody will ever tell a falsehood on nobody else. But people just pass by one another. How are you, neighbor? Doing good, how you doing? I'm doing good. 
said, hey, I've been meaning to talk to you. Do we need to put a fence between our property? No, we don't need no fences in the millennium. No, my goodness, we're not Baptist, Methodist, Church of God. We're all one kingdom now. We're all one kingdom. Oh, but I, I know that but you're black and I'm white. That don't matter. We're all of one blood. That's how we love one another here. There ain't no devils here. There ain't no hate here. Oh, praise God. And Satan is sitting down there and he'll... How long have I been there? Your two hours. <laughs> oh, 999 years, 365 days, and 23 hours left. It's the only time you've got to left to stay down here, Satan, in this prison. Hallelujah. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Notice, friends, the nations. Where does these wars come from? The nations. The nations. Look at the nations of Africa. Look at the nationalities in, in India. Look at all the different ones, the tribal wars and all this. Where's it go on? And yet God will have that on earth to prove, to prove that under his domain, he can let them live. They won't all be Jews. They can't even get along with one another anyway. They won't all be white. They won't all be black. They won't all be Indians. God said, I'm going to have a diversity of all the nations of the earth. And they'll live side by side. Listen to this and we'll close. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. God hasten the day. As Christians, we love peace, don't we? we? We, if you're a child of God, you've got the Holy Ghost. You love peace. Peacemakers are a sign of children of God. But even though we love peace, we have to learn to fight. Why? We're in a fight with hell. But one day, brother Larry, we'll lay all of that down, and we'll walk into that kingdom and say, "Praise God." You mean I won't have to learn how to fight the mind battles? So the third day in heaven, and you're just thinking, this is too good to be true. I felt so good yesterday. I didn't even go to bed last night. I've never done this before. Man, by 8 o'clock, I'm sitting around my eyes is crossed. Wow. Did I even go to bed last night? No, I didn't even lay down. I feel great. I feel wonderful. The second year, the third year. Now we move down to the millennium. You move into year 345. And people said, how you doing? I said, is there any other way to be but fine? I'm part of the bride. I, I live in the house right on the top of the hill. I, oh, glory to God. I live in this gated community. Amen. I, I live in this gated community. And then there ain't no old folks in here. Everybody here is a young person. <laughs> Praise God. Don't you want to go? Oh, I wish it could be tonight. The implements of war are devoted for other uses to benefit the new society on the earth. He will show people the evil of war 
and the good of brotherhood and unity and peace. But stand up. Praise God. Praise God. But until that day arrives, we'll close with this scripture in Joel 3, 9. <clears throat> Proclaim ye among the Gentiles. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Won't it be awesome when these two verses of Scripture have reached their fulfillment? We will move from Joel 3 back over to this other prophecy. Now we're taking quotes. We take scriptures. As a pastor, I have to defend the flock. So worldliness or false doctrine or something starts coming in. What do I have to do? I have to take time away from the millennium and the rapture and this and that to study, to fight against something trying to take your health. Sickness will attack you. Disease will attack you then I need to take time away from studying on the rapture, studying on the millennium to arm you to fight your battles. So what am I doing? I'm taking the plowshare and beating it, beating it, beating it to turn it into a weapon where you can go out there and say, all right, devil, give me my health back. But one day, they'll steady war no more. Praise God. Let's bow our heads together. I'm going to lay down my sword and shield down by the riverside. Oh, down by the riverside. Down by the riverside. I'm going to lay down my sword and shield down by the riverside. Going to study whoa, no Well, I ain't going to study war no more. Well, I ain't going to study war no more. Ain't going to study war no more. Come on, let's sing it now. Ain't going to study war no more. I'm going to try on my long white robe down by I said, 
this week had posted on a minister's chat that I'm on the quote where Brother Random talked about it's Satan's army that puts sickness on people and the army of God takes it off. So as long as we're here and we got sick folks and what we're going to do we're going to pray for them. As long as there's devils to cast out I'm going to do it. Well praise the Lord. Why? Because that's what we're commissioned to do. So look out, devil, here we come. Amen. Would you mind laying your hands on the person standing there by you? No doubt there's many needs here tonight. Erica had her treatment last Thursday, and it's been a pretty rough time for her. I'm sure many of you have been praying for her, and we certainly, certainly appreciate it. She's been hurting quite a bit and been very, very weak, so if you'd remember her tonight as well. Brother Maurice Holloway's wife is very sick. Has requested prayer tonight. Many, many prayer requests I get by email and uh, WhatsApp and things like that from people all over the world. Many, many requests. So let's just pray tonight for, the, for yourself here, your needs, for our church family, <clears throat> and also for those around the world of the bride. Heavenly Father, as the army of God, we lay our hands on one another. Lord, if it was, if we were out in the battle and we were all in the military field and one of us got shot. Surely we would not leave our brother laying there. Surely we love one another more than that. That we would not run away, oh, no matter how terrified we might be and the bullets whizzing by us, but we would want to reach down and grab our comrade and be able to take him back behind the lines and see if we could get him to the field hospital as quick as possible. Lord Jesus, we've got some in our families, our fleshly families and in our church family that's sick and suffering. 
Lord, some with cancer, some with different things in their bodies, some with fear, some with trauma, some with phobias and complexes. Lord, then dear God, our streaming family that goes around the world and brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus that have requested prayer. Lord, Brother Maurice's wife tonight, we pray for her father as well. Right now in the name of Jesus, may the spirit of God move for your people. Heavenly Father, as long as we're here on the earth, this is part of the battle that we have to fight. Oh, but Lord God, we believe there's a promise of a new topography. That's what we're looking for, a brand new body. When we'll move out of this valley range that we're living in up to the mountain of the house of the Lord. We go through the valley of the shadow of death and we go through valleys of trials and this and that, but one day we will leave this mortality behind and we will step into the mountain of immortality. Lord God, we'll study war no more. I'll never have to preach another sermon about the greatest battle ever fought or complexes or fears. There won't be one child of God with one fear walk down the streets of gold. But until that time arrives, Father, we face our fears, we face our complexes, we face our shortcomings, and we ask you, Lord God, send us forth as your army, Lord Jesus. Send us forth to pray. Send us forth to do everything we can do to minister to the lost and the dying, to the sick and the afflicted, Lord. We have come, Lord Jesus, that we might represent you. We're in a great battle, the greatest battle that's ever been fought, and we will fight until you call our card from the rack, as it were. Give us strength tonight. Lord, in the name of Jesus, would you heal the sick? Would you minister to the needs of your people tonight, Lord God? Touch those, Lord, that are weary. Touch those, Father, that are oppressed of the devil. In the name of Jesus, Satan, take your hands off of God's people. Lord God, we believe you tonight, Father. In the name of Jesus, minister to your children, would you, Lord? We love you, Father. We worship you with all of our hearts tonight, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We worship you, Father. Oh, hallelujah. Sing a little something for us, Harry. What do you say we, we kind of get into the, uh, the reality of Millennium Church where we don't have to be taught how to worship. We won't be some of them heathens out there that say, now, how do you do it? Do you do it this way? Do you do it that way? More than likely, we'll be some of the teachers. We'll say, we'll tell you how. I'll say, how did you know? Well, as a mortal, I lived down there in Laodicea. I went to church and my hand was crippled up. I went to church and I didn't feel like praising him, but there's something began to move down inside of me and I started putting my hands together and the next thing you know, my shoulder loosened up and this and loosened up and all of a sudden I got to loosen up pretty good and I felt like I was 18 years old until after the anointing left me, then I felt like I was 70. <laughs> oh, but I learned how to worship God while I was in bondage. I learned learn how to worship God. Some of you are waiting till you're free and then you're wanting to worship God. No, no, you got it backwards. You need to learn how to worship God when you don't feel like worshiping. You need to learn how to worship God when you're in bondage. You need to learn how to worship God. Hallelujah. Right here in the middle of hell so you can be real teachers in the land of the millennium. Praise the Lord. Can we just worship a little bit before we go? We got a little time, don't we? Oh, praise the Lord. Yeah, look back at that clock. We got time. Let's just worship him just a little bit before we go. Oh, it's so good to be here. Praise God. Oh, sing it with all your heart. Sing with me how great. Oh, yes, Lord. 
I know it may be hard for you to imagine, but in my mind tonight, I can see it. One day we will stand there with him in the throne and the masses will gather from around the earth. and They will have said to one another, come, let us go up to the house of the God of Jacob. But it won't be me and you out there. Where will we be? In the house where he is. So if you can just imagine it this way, we'll all be up here as it were when we're gathered around him. And there will be thousands times thousands times thousands and hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of them. And here they will come. Imagine how you'll feel when you stand there and you hear them worshiping your husband. Adoring the love of your life. And there you will stand with him and we will join together in another, in another tenor, in another voice. Not the voice of the untrained, the untaught, but the voice of them that have been redeemed from all the earth. You see, God has a tithing. God asks us to pay tithing of our increase. Well, God also tithes. But don't look at me funny. That's what the prophet said. There'll be a tithing of the earth that'll be taken from the earth. There was of corn. There was of animals. There was of all kinds of things. Where do you figure God ever got that concept? Because God tithed himself. God shared a tithing of his seed upon the earth. And they're standing there around him, his first fruits, his first fruits. And all these millions of people come up to Jerusalem and there'll be millions of voices that'll start raising, hallelujah, hallelujah. That will be the black, the white, the red, the yellow, the Indians, the Carthopeans, the ones from Rome, the ones from Bithynia, the ones from Greece, the ones from Spain, the ones from Mexico, all over the earth, worshiping, praising, millions of voices, Worshiping God. And there you'll be standing around just looking at him. Your husband. My husband. My king. My Lord. <laughs> oh, praise God. Don't you love him? I don't want to wait till then myself. I want to love him right now. With all of my heart. Oh, Let's sing about the goodness of God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I mean, it was, he has been so good to you. And nobody can love you like Jesus does. His goodness and his mercy. Oh, I'm so glad that whenever we don't even deserve it, we're not worthy of it. 
that his goodness chases us down when we thought we could get away from it. And there he is, he shows up every morning and his mercies are renewed. Let's just worship him before we go. I love you, Lord. Think about it now. For your mercy never fails me. I mean, can say amen to that. Never fails me. In all my days. In all my days. I sing of the goodness of God. Hallelujah. All my life you have Oh, sing it, children. Mean it now. All my life you have so good. Thank you, Lord. Every breath that I am Of the goodness of God. Thank you, Jesus. I love your voice. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. Yes, you have, Lord. Thank you, Father. In darkest night. You are close like no, no other. I've known you as a father. I have lived, I've lived in the goodness. Everybody now, just close your eyes. Hallelujah. All my life you have been Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, Lord God. Hallelujah. All my life you have You have been so faithful, Lord. Everybody now. Oh, all my life you have been so Goodness is running after me, Lord. Oh, hallelujah, sing it now. Cause your goodness is running after me. It's running after me. Your goodness is running after me. It's running after me. With my life laid down, oh, Lord, I surrender. I surrender, Lord. I
God bless you, saints. Love you in the Lord. Be here again Sunday. <clears throat> Got some more things approved this week. Apparently, the city of Johnson City is slower than the seven-year itch. <laughs> we got some more things approved, and hopefully we'll get some more things tomorrow and moving closer every time they come. And uh, we're looking for our certificate of occupancy. That's what we're looking for. So... Pray with us that everything will go well. They come back and find something else and we'll fix it. Keep fixing until we're gone. We're ready to move in. So the sound people are there working. Uh, Been there all this week getting the sound PA system and the projectors and all that stuff. Won't you all be so happy to be able to have the words back up where you can see them? That song gets old, don't it? I mean, that song and that song gets old. Y'all standing there, you ain't got your Bibles with you. You're standing there mumbling. <laughs> Song leaders doing the same thing, so we can't say anything. It'll be so nice to have our own church back on it. Oh, yes. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Brother Johnson, would you come and dismiss us in prayer tonight, brother? Amen. Oh, my goodness. I was thinking about it the other day, Brother Rob, how long have been since I've been able to have a youth service? I've been missing them so bad. Just, we just long for our, our own place back where we can just start having these things, don't we? Amen. That was good tonight. Amen. No, I um, just want to say this real quick. I turned in that request about that girl uh, at my work and... You know, when you go out there and see all the horrible things that people have to deal with and they have nothing, no outlet to help them, it just makes you so grateful Amen. that we have a reason to keep living, Amen. and it's him. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful, Lord, that you just come down and just bless us again today, Lord. And Lord Jesus, Lord, that you just move through us and we come in with troubles and wearies and pains but we can always come in knowing that it'll be all right, that we can keep going because you have a future for us, a kingdom built for us, Lord. And even though there's no continuing city here, Lord, we're looking for that one to come, Lord. And we just love to hear about it, Lord Jesus. And Lord, until then, Lord, we have needs and sickness and pains, and, but we know you're sufficient, Lord, and that you'll answer every prayer and every need, Lord God. We just pray you be with us as we go, Lord. Keep us strong and faithful, Lord, until we can meet again and just have the experience all over again, Lord. We love it. Be with us as we go and just help us with every need. Keep us all safe heading back home. In the name of Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. God bless you, saints. Go in the fear of the Lord. I love you, Lord. We'll see you Sunday, okay? God bless you. All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good